Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talkie some walkies. We are talking walkies in a very belated way. Uh, we, well, both of us have not recently watched uh, season eight, episode eight, How It's Gotta Be. Uh, although I did just watch it again mm-hmm. uh, for the first time since it aired. And, uh, but I don't, Matt, you haven't seen it. No, since. I haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was the, um, infamous mid season finale of season eight. Yeah. Um, infamous of course, because of that, well, not a death, but a, a signal of a, an impending death, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, we all know is a significant deviation from the comics, the death of Carl. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we're going we're gonna to go into depth on our thoughts on that. Depth um, on the death. Yes. Yeah. So we apologize for taking so long to get this podcast up. This is actually the uh, afternoon before the premiere of the follow-up episode to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got a little off schedule, but we are hoping that this will get up soon and we will be back, uh, at least putting up a podcast for the episode that aired within the previous week, uh, for the rest of this season. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so I had very, very negative thoughts, uh, toward this episode. And I, I still have negative thoughts towards this episode. However, because I had only seen it once and my thoughts just kind of grew from there into negative negativity, watching it right now, actually, I, I, I enjoyed it more than I expected because yeah, there was, there was stuff that I didn't realize that was in there that I did like. Um, because at the end of the episode, the only things that stuck with me uh, for the last two months were the things that I didn't appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to know I, what those things are. That you like. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about those. Um, but yeah, they were overshadowed by by the other things. So yeah, why don't you give your quick quick rundown, Matt? Um, I know it's it's uh, tr- traditionally been me that starts this, but because I haven't seen it in a while, if you give yeah. your your quick rundown, I could then recall maybe some <laughs> of my feelings and, <laughs> and thoughts on it. Yeah, it might be a well, little easier for me. My my quick rundown is that this finale did a few things that I found to be generally inexcusable for an episode of television, but were especially upsetting uh, given that this was a mid-season finale of a show that I appreciate and like. Mm -hmm. And so I'm expecting not only that they're, it's going to be decent, but it's going to be their A game. Yeah. And um, so, and the, the, the biggest thing actually is the fact that a car crashed that had Jerry, Rick and Carol in it. 
Jerry somehow magically ended up a prisoner of war. Carol ended up making her way to the kingdom. And Rick ended up making his way to Alexandria. And I cannot conceive of any possible explanation for why the three of them ended up in such wildly different places. And I don't care to be told through a flashback how that happened. If that was going to happen, they should have shown it. They should have, like, rather than doing this cheap cutaway thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problems that we've expressed over the course of this season about not having any sense of place, not knowing what the distance is between Hilltop and Alexandria and the kingdom and the sanctuary, um, that is, to me, is like a microcosm representation of, of, of the absurdity of this. Yeah. You know, and it's and take that also with the fact that the car that that was that crashed, it just happened to be going to, to the sanctuary at just the right time to pick up Rick. I don't know why they were going right. there, you know. Um, so that for me was a real a real big problem. And then the death of Carl uh, or, you know, finding out that he's going to die. Uh, that was the other thing that I didn't like and uh i'm sure we'll get into that more but yeah those two things can't even remember any other details about this this (laughs) exactly so these are the things that stood out right yeah so these were the two major sins for me of this this episode and they're the things that yeah that stuck with me Mm -hmm. watching it again because i was so critical i was able to see like actually the bulk of the episode has stuff that on its own is is not upsetting there's there is some good dramatic moments um but they are overshadowed by by these yeah. things and and things that it just seems would be so easy to solve a lot of them um and there's also just the fact that it seems like people it seems like if if there were any if this was a real situation uh the stakes would be leading a lot more people to die Yes. For some reason, people end up not dying for no reason except for narrative purposes uh, in order to keep the drama going. And vice and, versa. Uh, and vice, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, how it is that Maggie and all those hilltop people were confronted by the saviors on the road and Jerry didn't didn't end up shot. None of the saviors ended up shot. Just one nobody in the back of a car ended up yeah. getting killed. Makes absolutely no sense. And I know they try to justify it. You know, Simon tells Maggie, um, you guys are the breadbasket, so the hilltop's getting off easy because we need you to keep producing. But still, it, it just seems like there should have been a little bit more of a bloodbath there. Mm-hmm. And at least Jerry, you know. At least Jerry, <laughs> as much as I love him. And would right. have hate to see that happen. Yeah. It would have made the most sense narratively. Right. It just seems like over and over again, the saviors are nice for no reason. Um, I mean, they can also be very horrible, but. For no reason. For no reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there like just Glenn. seems. Yeah. There seems to be so little method to the madness. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, except that the show wants Jesus and Maggie to be alive <laughs> mm-hmm. and Jerry to be alive. Mm-hmm. And we want them to be alive, but totally. we just we just need them to exist in a world where if they die, it makes sense that they died. And, and if, if they stay alive, it makes sense. <laughs> yes. And if they stay alive, it makes sense. Exactly. 
is that yeah. too much to ask? So. <laughs> all right. Well, I really do echo all of that because as you're talking, I'm recalling my feelings as they came up during the the show. <clears throat> and I'm going to add one thing to that that ended up sticking out um, maybe even more so than the Hilltop um, uh, conversation with the Saviors. When Rick is confronted by Negan in the house, Mm. they have this fight that seemed very realistic as it was happening. However... Sorry. Tea. A <laughs> <laughs> um, little heartburn going on here or something. <laughs> um, a mixture of coffee and tea. Um, however, Rick gets the jump on Negan twice, if I remember correctly. And both of those times he means to 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 not do anything to, to Negan. Yeah. Not capture him, not clock him out not kill him and then Mm -hmm. he ends up falling out the window (laughs) and runs away (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm glad you you did bring this up and and he has a gun (laughs) yeah yeah negan doesn't rick has a gun falls out of a window so they're divided by a barrier like a clear barrier to which sure negan can duck behind the window but Rick has the, has the time to draw his weapon and shoot Negan in that moment. Yeah. But he decides to run. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that was so, something that stuck out. Similar to Daryl and Rick's shenanigans on the road there. Yeah. Uh, with the saviors. This moment of the fight between Negan and Rick is like both the worst and the best part of the episode. Yeah. Because it's scrappy. It's like it's intense. It's mm-hmm. gritty. It's I, when I was watching it again, I, I I forgot how intense it was and how most of it I like. But there's just this absurdity to it mm-hmm. because there's no reason for one of them not to end up dead after that. And totally. the fact that Rick gets a hold of Lucille and he uses the wrong end. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like and he Rick. hits him in the face, no less. I yeah. mean, this could be over if he had used Fatal. the other end. Yep. Um, and, and he would have had yes. more leverage. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and and the fact that Rick gets thrown out of a window and he's not – he doesn't even have a scratch on him. He gets thrown out the window <laughs> I don't know how a man throws another man out a window and doesn't go out the window himself with him. Right. It's like, like Rick just like flies out like he's propelled by ropes or something. No. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> yeah. And and then Rick lands and then like without even like a grunt, he just gets up and like runs away. Scrappy is the best way I've ever heard it put. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Scrappy Escape. Scrappy yes. Escape band name. Yeah. That's a good band name. It's so weird. And, you know, this coupled with the many, many times that Negan has been on the end of a gun 
uh, and has not ended up dead makes it so that presuming there is ever a moment where Negan dies, it's not going to have the power that it should have. Not this is something that makes me really sad because I do think that there you can execute a great story that kind of plays out as the good versus evil conflict with a, a horrible person whose horribleness is emphasized repeatedly over and over again, who suppresses everyone under his boot, and then in a like final glorious moment, he is triumphed over and destroyed. Like yeah. You can write a great story that is that basic story. It's been done many times, and The Walking Dead, I feel like, had a great opportunity to do it. But when you, when you have your villain in so many opportunities where he should have been killed like it makes it seem like what 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 possible dramatic scenario could that final death moment mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. you know like i'm envisioning negan like walking out with all of his lieutenants you know by his side and you know the hordes of zombies mm-hmm. like i don't know you know flanking him or something like that and then he like what are we going to have like a gladiator moment or something yeah, right. like that where like now it's the time for the real showdown it's it's not going to feel real it's going to feel contrived it's going to feel silly it's going to be like why didn't carl just shoot him when he came out of the truck i think ultimately because they're not going to kill negan hmm yeah um but i i agree with you and i also i'd add on to that that they had an opportunity with negan that it would have been really great for them to take. And it's actually something that I think about a lot with, like, with the Batman films, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, mm-hmm. I always see Batman as the villain of the villain rather than the protagonist. To me, Batman represents the shadows. He represents this, like, this ghostly demonic figure that even the the bad guys tremble you know when when he comes comes into an alleyway and that's always been conveyed in the comics he's like this kind of non-supernatural supernatural creature right mm-hmm. but in the movies he's always very much like a, a mortal presence you know he's a person and he has a job and he has a company and he has a a butler and he puts on this ridiculous costume and goes out at night and saves people. Okay. Well, it's kind of silly, but I get it. But if you made it more like he was mysterious and dark and, 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 uh, confused and troubled, all those, all the, the fact that he puts on a costume, it it now becomes even more sinister and, and he wears this mask that, you know, the the people that he fights, they look at and they, they're confused. Like this, there's this person in a bat costume that was wearing all black and he lingers in the shadows with white eyes and he comes out and like takes me out and I don't know where I'm going now. You know, I've I've been knocked out and I wake up hung by a rope over the over a bridge. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. it's this like very menacing good good guy approach. I think the opposite could have been done with Negan where they have all these, like you said, they have all these lieutenants that they could have utilized and they did utilize, but I don't think they utilized them well enough. They had all these lieutenants that they could have utilized to carry out the Negan thing. I think when Negan was first brought into the show, he was such a menacing 
idea because he was just an idea. Yeah. All these lieutenants constantly said, we are Negan. And, and when, you know, when the saviors were trying to escape the clutch of the saviors in that episode where they're trying to bring Maggie to the hilltop and, and Glenn dies, um, they never see Negan. But you feel Negan. Right. Throughout that whole thing. And the feeling of Negan makes you sweat. Yeah. Kind of like that Batman thing. Then when you do see Negan, it's such a great payoff because he lives up to what you felt this whole time. Now, Mm -hmm. when you see him, all of our people are at his knees. Yeah. And they're at his mercy. Right. That's big. Yeah. Now, moving forward, instead of leaning into that, they use Negan as this kind of comical uh, sort of jokey, jokey villain. Um, he now becomes way more touchable. Instead of sending lieutenants, which a normal commander would do, yeah. he goes and he tries to make his like pompous approach. And you lose it because now, now we see him and he's... Uh, he's always there. He's always making jokes. He, people hit him. You know, people take shots at him, like you said. The Rosita shot him, and he blocked it by chance. Right. You know, now he's not – now he's touchable. Now he's – now he can die. And, right. And he just doesn't for nonsensical reasons. Right. Yeah, no, I agree that Negan is more powerful in our minds when we see him less. Mm-hmm. And And – he has no business given the amount of power that he has floating around from place to place. Right. And being in positions where he's on the end of an opponent's gun, Mm -hmm. like that just shouldn't happen. He, he should be like behind multiple walls in Mm -hmm. the center of the heart of the sanctuary Mm -hmm. and be giving out his, his orders from there. And, Sure, he can terrorize the sanctuary a little bit and like mm-hmm. occasionally be brought out to mm-hmm. to wreak some havoc, yes. but should be very sparingly mm-hmm. and yeah, for, right, yeah, for somebody to come to the wall of the sanctuary with guns and for him to just walk out is it, it not only is that nonsensical, but it makes him less formidable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I I I very much agree with you there. Um Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about Carl's death? Let's do it. And then it's we can thing. like we can move into talking to maybe about some of the the things that are that stood out less but might still be significant. I have a request. Yeah. Why don't we talk about Carl's death and perhaps even just skip all the little things? And go straight into like what this means for The Walking Dead, and then yeah. Carl, uh, um, the showrunners' promotion as well. Yes. Maybe even like yeah. sideways demotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I think that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I talked about this a little bit in our last podcast, cryptically, since we're trying not to give too many spoilers. Yeah, but I'll flesh it out a little bit more now. When Carl died, I can't even – or when we found out that he had been bit, I can't even remember what my internal reaction was. But I started to think about it from a very, like, just logical standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
and this is the way it, I thought it out. I thought this is a show that gets its mileage, gets its fuel from the fear that we have that the characters are going to die. And we've talked about this over and over again. If you never kill important characters, then the suspense is lost. We always know certain characters are safe. On the other hand, you kill all the characters that we love, there's no more show. We don't care, right? Yeah. So The Walking Dead for some time has been in this this bind where they've killed so many characters and there's only a very few remaining core that we feel really attached to. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to care about what's going on screen, we have to feel like they're threatened, but we also don't want to lose them. And so if I'm a showrunner and I'm thinking about this, not really in terms of like good storytelling, but just how do I keep my audience in suspense and keep them shocked? I'm looking at my core characters and I'm asking myself, who can I kill and not destroy the ratings? So I know that last time we killed Glenn and our ratings took a big dive, Mm -hmm. a big one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying that that's all because Glenn was killed, but I think we would be kidding ourselves if that's not a significant factor. Uh, People felt like some aspect of the soul of the show was lost and they just didn't care as much. Um, You can't do it to Daryl. You can't do it to Rick. Um, Carol and Maggie, you don't want to do it to either. The thing about Carl is he's incredibly important, but very few people would be like, oh, Carl's my favorite character. People, People watch and they know Carl has an important role to play, especially in regard to his relationship to Rick. Um, but he is not people's favorite character. People don't tune in because they're like, I wonder what Carl's going to do this week. And so I think it was a cheap way of, of keeping people in suspense. Oh my gosh, they killed Carl. I can't believe they killed Carl. Um, but without hopefully taking more of a ratings dive. That's my guess. Okay. What they're thinking. Yeah. And I know that doesn't get into how it's going to affect the show from here on out, but no, but you—that's you just my theory of why Carl, why Carl was the one mm-hmm. that. Yeah, my feeling was—I don't know, maybe it worked on me. Um, shoot, I—I I don't want Carl to die, and and then I, yeah. and then then I th- I thought like, oh, maybe, maybe he's not no, nah, but he's got a bite, and that's a bad bite, and that's in a spot that you can't amputate. So I was immediately like, ah, oh, well, this is it for Carl. And I was really upset. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I don't like Carl, but I mean, not to say that I like Carl, but uh, it worked. Yeah. What I was most upset about was how they did it. If they had planned on killing Carl, let's say they had planned on killing Carl this whole first season. Like this whole beginning half of the season. They had the opportunity to flesh out his motivations much more eloquently. Carl, for the past, I don't know, three or four seasons, he's just been kind of this nebulous thing that doesn't really have much going on. And he kind of, he's wishy-washy in the sense that there's moments where he feels that he seems very like angsty and will shoot anyone at any time. And then there's moments where he feels like 
very gracious. Mm-hmm. You even see this in this season with Negan, and you see it with uh, um, with just the ideals in general. And again, this goes back to the past couple seasons where you know you'll see Carl go out and just go on this like hunting spree where he needs to get his angst out. So. I have a problem fundamentally with how they developed his character to get to the point where they want him at right now, which is this kind of springboard motivation for Rick to have grace towards Negan, right? So we're going to use Carl and Carl's weird contrived sense of morality to uh, give Lincoln a reason to let Negan go, right? It just feels so forced. Well, here's what I would add to that. I mean, I don't know for sure that that's how this is going to play out from here, that Carl's death is somehow supposed to have this effect of... Well, that's what that's what Scott Kimball said in an interview. Okay, because if that's the case, like, <laughs> I will be really, really upset. There's no reason why that should follow from that. So let me explain. Yeah. We have Sadiq at the gas station. You introduce this idea that Carl wants to save this man because we need hope in the world. And in that episode, just before that, you see him and Rick have this conversation about hope. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, when I was watching that episode, I was like, Carl, what are you talking about? Where do you get off talking about this? Right. This seems coming out of left field. Again, problem with character development. And then Sadiq comes in. Carl now has a a real-life reason to give uh, hope to Rick, saying we need to bring him in because he's lost and he's helpless and he has no no place to go. You know, that that kind of uh, conflict continues on with him and Rick throughout the whole episode, but... At the end of the day, you have this conversation between Sadiq and Carl where Sadiq talks about how he respects his mother and what in his mother's wishes. And, and Carl suggests that maybe we're here to teach our parents a thing or two. And <laughs> foreshadowing for some reason, <laughs> quote, finger quotes. Um, again, very shoehorned. And um, – and then you have the the next scene with the two of them where where Carl gives him the opportunity to kill more walkers to, you know, uh, I don't know, for whatever philosophical reason. And in doing that, he sacrifices himself for Sadiq. Again, for what reason? This is my guess where he gets bit. Make the most sense. Yeah, well, Gimple did say that we saw – the moment when Carl got bit and I didn't get a chance to go back and look at the moment, but I can see in my mind's eye that Carl had, I remember thinking, man, Carl's shirt is a mess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, After he had had that scuffle Uh with the zombies when Sadiq was there. Yeah. Um, And we had complained about this as well. Yes. Yeah. It, (laughs) it really does add to the, just the absurdity of Carl's death because Right. Yeah, they could have just run. Like, oh, they had so many opportunities to give it reason. Yeah. So, so we have this development with Carl, right? Where he now is 
walking on this path of mercy and out of again out of nowhere we don't see shades of this in carl's life at all beforehand yeah i wrote that in my notes where is this coming from carl yeah Um, this you know talking about how we've got to have more mercy and have more hope and i i wouldn't say it's like completely yeah i i can't understand what the inciting event was for that um, because there was certainly a period of time where Carl was the opposite of that. Exactly. And he came, he came out of that into something more balanced. Yeah. Um, and even just a couple episodes before that, he was trying to kill Negan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there was nothing about that experience that I would think would have caused this dramatic shift where now he's like, oh, let's not try to kill Ge- Negan. Let's be buddies with Negan. Yeah. And it's not like Carl in this episode even expresses um, opposition to the war itself. Right. He, right. he still thinks it needs to happen, but it's just, hey, let's not like leave people who aren't even saviors to die. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so if this somehow has an effect on Rick where he's like, okay, here's what I would say. If it has a, an effect on Rick where he stops fighting Negan – I would only be able to tolerate that if it's because Rick just feels like he's lost his reason for being. And he's just kind of like, I've been fighting for the last however many years to create a world for my kid. And now my kid is gone. And he just feels like he just loses the will to like keep fighting. That I I could buy character wise. But if he is like, well, my son taught me that I need to be nice. Like, if that is what happens, I'm just going to be – my that's head's going to be in my said. hands. Oh, he said He said he needed a reason for Rick to, to show mercy towards Negan. And he figured that the best, the best, mo- uh, the best um, uh, tangible thing to use in that, in that sense is, is his son. And um, – <laughs> Oh my god, it's just it's so irritating. What if what if what if what happens is cuz I'm hoping that maybe some way these words can be true and not be horrible. Like what if Negan comes across Rick mourning over Carl and then like Negan like gets down on his knees or something and he's like he was a good kid. You know, and and like I starts even, talking to, I wouldn't never buy that from Negan cuz he doesn't no. care about he doesn't care about Rick. He doesn't care about the Alexandrians. He doesn't care about giving up his regime. I mean, he cares about giving up his regime. He sure he cared about Carl, but not in such a way that he would like hand his empire over. You know, not hand his his empire over. But I can see Negan making genuine expressions of how great he thinks Carl is. Yeah, I could, and, and again, actually I could being genuinely sad that Carl is dead. Yeah. But that wouldn't that wouldn't change things for Rick. the The problem here is that we we get a flash a flash forward or whatever in the beginning of the season, where we get red eyed Rick, and he's saying, yeah. "My mercy prevaileth over my wrath." And right. it's my it's just my guess that that is because Carl's last words were probably, "My mercy prevaileth over my wrath." <laughs> And Rick's like, yes, this makes sense. I'll spare Negan now. (laughs) Abort the whole mission. Yeah. (laughs) 
there's only two responses that make sense to me for Rick after this, after Carl's death. The one is what I already said, which is that he just loses the will to keep fighting and Negan walks all over him again. Or he just goes insane yep. because he's just like, I, I just, I'm done. Like, if I die in the next 30 seconds just going insane running after Negan, well, then fine. But I am going to do everything I can to kill this guy yeah. right now. Yeah. The uh, path that would make Rick seem ridiculous and have a lack of character development is if he spared Negan for this reason. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the same reasoning that gave the writers uh, initiative to change Carl's path in the way that they did and make it – like, look, again, Carl is – and has been this whole show wishy-washy, but never has he sat into a um, a position where his philosophies were so fleshed out so quickly. I, I I don't know. I just think that I just think that all of this seems a little convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It does feel convenient, and that's why I feel like this wasn't something that was planned super far in advance. I'm sure they knew it was going to happen from the start of the eighth season, but I think before that, it was not on the table. I, I think it was a fairly recent decision, and I do think it was a calculated one made with the kind of thinking that I just described. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, this is the direction that Carl has been heading, and you know, this is going to lead to this character motivation for Rick and everything. I just think that it was more like, hmm, who can we kill and not destroy the show and still shock the yep. audience? Yep. Which that, is which cheap. Is so cheap. Yeah. I'm I'm actually really upset about this because to me, the show has to do with Carl. Like, even though we don't really like Carl as a person, he just has no substance, he should be one of the most interesting characters. Because he's, he's the youngest. He was born basically into this world. His, his adolescence was getting introduced to a zombie apocalypse. So his, his upbringing has been in an apocalypse. That's, inc that's incredible ingredients for great storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and they've just been botching it. Well, sorry. Oh, no, no. Finish. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I do think that Carl has been becoming a more solid character recently. And, and I think that he really did shine in this last episode, especially in his interactions with yes. Negan. I think, I mean, those are my favorite Carl moments mm -hmm. that have happened. Mm -hmm. And, well, this is true to Walking Dead form. You, you kill a character once they start getting interesting. You know, Carl, I mean... When a kid is really young, it's hard for them to be a very fleshed out character. Mm -hmm. And and this actor has grown up on this show yeah. and I do feel like he is he is finally really starting to come into yep. his own and and there was potential there yeah. for him to grow into a a more interesting character. Yeah. And there is something really cool about watching somebody grow up on a show and seeing, you know, what they become and mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he only needed to be on for a few more years before he was really a full-fledged adult. Yeah. And and I and now we're not going to see that, yeah. which I think it's is sad. sad. And it's just like 
for me when they killed Beth. Beth was window dressing for a long mm-hmm. time. She didn't do anything. She finally started to develop as a character, mm-hmm. which added inter- like something interesting to the show. And then they killed her, which yep. is in a completely senseless way yeah. that had nothing to do with moving the story forward. Yeah. And there's several times that the show has definitely done this. And I, I think they're making really poor choices about when blood gets spilled and why. I agree. Um, so I am just really disappointed in this choice to kill Carl. I mean, if they wanted me to feel sad, it did work. Mm-hmm. That I think that that last shot of the episode where it keeps zooming out and, you know, Rick and Michonne's reaction, wordless reaction mm-hmm. to seeing the bite. And then, you know, the the um, the uh, zooming out mm-hmm. uh, in the sewer was a powerful moment, as yeah. it should be. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that having that moment of, oh, wow, is going to be worth whatever happens from here and what is lost in terms yeah. of you've, you've spent years – with this character yeah. building something here. And we were finally getting to a point where it was starting to pay off a little bit and could have paid off more. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just ax it. <laughs> well, it, it goes back to the fact that Carl is really what the story's about. Um, yeah. Kirkman said that so many times that, that this story is Carl's story. He's, he's Rick's son. Rick is, Carl is Rick's legacy. Yeah. And legacy is more important than the patriarch in some senses. If they stick to killing Carl, they, they're going to have their work cut out for them because a lot of the stories coming up are, this, like you said, this is where Carl starts coming into his own, and that's true too in the comics. He is a pivotal part of the upcoming stories. And really... um. We're, there, there's a massive missed opportunity here because eventually, like you said, Carl's going to grow up into an adult. You're not going to keep Andrew Lincoln around forever. Just not going to. But you could keep Carl mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if you got to the point where you're going to lose Andrew Lincoln, you pass it on to Carl. You've developed this character to a point where we love it. Like, How many times in so many different TV shows have we felt like in the beginning of the series, you're like, ah, this character, whatever. And then by the end, you're like, oh, my God, I would die for this character. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. even in The Office, <laughs> you know, where it's it's just all ridiculousness and caricatures of people, yeah. You they earn it. And yeah. in a show that's so grounded in realism and uh, in, in a fantastical world, they haven't even given us that with one of their – most pivotal centerpieces of a character. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think they really are, are losing their grip. If they're making choices like this based off of ratings, they're really losing their grip. They're making reactionary choices. And it's just going to show that like all of the feelings about the writers being a problem or the dialogue being a problem, it it's just adding fuel to that fire, let alone – Carl or Andrew Lincoln not staying around forever, this show is not going to have much of a shelf life. Right. What this show definitely does not need right now, especially in the midst of its ratings dive, is something that makes the entire previous seven years feel futile. Yeah. And we had that with Lost. Well, a lot of people felt <laughs> that with Lost. Mm-hmm. You, 
that is what killing Carl is, because yep. like you said, he is the legacy. He is one of the, the driving forces that has kept Rick committed to survival for mm-hmm. so long, is he's mm-hmm. doing so much of what he's doing for his son. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, I mean, just the fact that we've kept losing people from the core cast over all this time has led to this sense of futility. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the end, if Rick's the only one standing... Well, he was the only one there in the beginning in the hospital room. You know, it's it's sort of like just bringing things full circle. But it's like, man, I did all this work and I only saved myself. Um, that's I don't think that's a good way to go. You know, no. we want to see uh, some more people make it than just that. Yeah, I feel like the and, writers have such a disrespect for the show, whereas the, the the true fans of the show really do care, and they have yeah. such a reverence for the show that. It almost feels like when you see someone that has a lot of money and they spend money on cars and stuff like that and you yourself don't have that uh, that kind of asset, it, you, you don't necessarily feel jealous. But you're like, do you even know what you have? Yeah. You don't even respect what you have. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a judgment. <clears throat> but <laughs> But I feel that way about the writers like – or at least the showrunner. Do you even know what you are doing with these characters? Like we, we as we as non-professionals and as fans have more of a respect and more of a care than the showrunner. You can feel like that. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a problem. That that's that's given that's that's with the assumption that they're making reactionary calls. You know that they're saying let's kill Carl because our ratings are diving or something like that. Which I think that really is the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to show that they can. They want to show that they can still surprise people. Yeah. Do you want to segue into showrunner? Sure. Yeah. So as most of you have probably heard, <clears throat> all three of you that listen to this, <laughs> um, <laughs> showrunners changing. On The Walking Dead. We yeah. have talked often about how we think it's probably time for Gimple to to move on. And he is sort of doing that. He's supposedly been given a promotion where he's like in charge of all things Walking Dead. Whatever yeah, that means. Whatever that means. I don't know. Um, but a woman named Angela Kang has been made the showrunner. And uh, I saw a list of the episodes that she's done, and I like some of them, and I don't like some of them. It's a mix. I didn't look at the episodes. What were the ones that you didn't like? Honestly, I would have to see the list in front of me to know for sure. I mean, she has been the primary writer on some stuff from season eight and seven. Oh, she was the primary writer on The Cell, which I think is one of the most boring episodes of The Walking Dead that has ever happened. That was the one where Daryl was just, like, listening to that song and eating dog food. Oh, my God. But she had some good ones in there, too. Like, one of my favorite character episodes is the Daryl and Beth one where they burn down the house. And she was the one that did that one. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I liked that episode. So, oh, and she also was the one that did Thank You, which was the season (laughs) season six episode where Glenn fake died. That episode itself, I think, is one of the best episodes from that season. 
that's the one where he he fake died and Nicholas died, right? Nicholas kept saying thank yeah. you. Nicholas said thank you once. Oh, he said it once? Oh, for some yeah. reason in my head it was like, why are you saying thank you so much? <laughs> but like <laughs> – I just remember that episode as probably being the last time in The Walking Dead that I felt the most sense of, like, chaos. Um, I'm trying to remember the details. Like, the Glenn thing was the biggest moment in the episode, but the whole the whole episode was, like, off the wall. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, so she's she's got some quieter character episodes, and she has some more, like, chaotic, uh, action-packed episodes. And, of course, who knows how much of her writing is related to what Gimple wanted. And, you know. That's true. So when she is untethered from his show running and she's the one giving directions to the writers, Mm -hmm. we might have a completely different take on things. Does she have any credits outside of The Walking Dead, though? She has one, and I hadn't heard of it, but the person that was writing the article that I read called it the the short-lived but superb series or something like that, mm. something that he felt very positive about. Mm. Um, but, I mean, at this point, it just – it really feels like new blood is essential. Yeah, I – my uh, – what I would have loved to have heard was this person – who is not attached to the, to AMC or The Walking Dead in any way is now coming mm. in, yeah, to take it over. That would yeah. have that would have seriously lit a fire in me. I would have been in a good way. Yeah, you know, what would have been yeah. amazing if it was Noah Hawley. Who is that? Um, Fargo and Legion. Oh, oh, yeah. Two shows that I love. Those shows are yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Mm. Um, but she's she's in an awkward position because she's like has this tremendous responsibility now to try and write a ship. And when it's a ship <clears throat> that's as big as The Walking Dead – you know, it's hard to correct course. Yeah. <laughs> you can, yeah. Cause you can't just undo everything that's yeah. happened before. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I do it, wonder who's to say do. that she doesn't, you know, feel good about what Gimple's already done. The groundwork. She might, but I feel like I don't, I, I can't imagine that Gimple was just like, Oh, I think I'll stop working on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems to me that somebody who had more authority was like, look, something's going wrong here. We need to try something different. And if that were the case, they must have seen something different in this woman. Uh, other, if they don't, they, the network didn't want more of Gimple because that's, that was their concern, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So that makes me hopeful. Yeah. I, um, I think it's also important to note that, um, Gimple is still show running the back half of the season. Yes, yeah. This is not till season nine. Right. Which is interesting because are they even are they even confirmed for season nine? Yes. They are. Yeah, they um, are. Although, and this leads to another piece of news which you may have heard. Did you hear any other Walking Dead news that 
ruffled your feathers? No. Because there's another piece of news, and I don't... How recent? It's a little... Like, within the last week, two oh, weeks. Oh, no. So, there is a cast member who whose contract ran out at the end of season eight, and they have not been a- able to negotiate with this person to um, make a deal. And this person has just signed on to be in a pilot for an ABC show. Um, I've, I've read that it's possible that the pilot could get picked up and still this person could be involved in Walking Dead's shooting schedule. But um, I don't know. It seems, Whoa. it seems iffy. They haven't been able to come to an agreement with this person. Whoa. It just goes to show you the lack of goodwill. Well, you mean like that somebody would be asking for more money or? I mean, yeah, like at the end of the day, uh, you're going to, as an actor, you want to, you want to work and you want to make what you're worth. Um, Right. But you're not, you're also not going to keep people with goodwill if your goodwill is running out. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to say, hey, uh, Daryl Dixon, do you, um, do you want to stay on the show with the same same price tag that we've been, you know, giving you from day one or that you've been giving us from day one? Yeah, that's that's right. If it was a great show, do, maybe. Yeah. Do you want to know who it is? Oh, they told the, it, it's confirmed. Oh yeah, I I only didn't say it because I wasn't sure you wanted to know. Oh well, it's not. It's not confirmed that the person is leaving the show. What's confirmed right, right now is that they signed on for a pilot with ABC. Yeah. And a, 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 there's been no resolution to the negotiations. Yeah. Who is it? Maggie. So talk Shut about up. talk about futility, right? You kill her husband, we spend the last two and a half years waiting for her to have a baby. And what, what's going to happen? She can't, she's not going to be able to have that baby before the end of season eight at the pace we're going. No, no. What that would, that would be definitely a premature baby. (laughs) 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 which is hard to believe because her uterus got torn two and a half years ago (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh my god that is that is uh revealing and see i guess lauren cohen's complaint was that her salary is nowhere near what it should be given how long she's been on the show and i believe it and i guess she's not she's not trying to get the same kind of salary as norman reedus or andrew lincoln but she just Mm -hmm. wants something that like reflects more what should be her stature on the show after this amount of time yeah i'm surprised they're not willing to bend that i know i say like we've the cast is enormous like kill two of the people we don't care about as much and give their money to maggie like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. They shouldn't be negotiating with her. They should be backing up the money truck to her, especially with her position that she's coming to on the show. Where she's, she's now a leader. Right. 
Well, she, she's just so critical to giving meaning to what's been going on. Like she's carrying Glenn's yeah. baby. She's been there since yeah. the be- almost the beginning, the second season. Yeah. This is not the time to be losing those characters. Wow. If it... Okay. Say she dies at the end of the season. It's going to be really hard for me to, to watch season nine. Mm. I will. Because I'm going to be morbidly curious. <laughs> And I'm also going to be very interested in what the new showrunner has to offer. But hopefulness, I will have none of. You know, season nine, I've heard, is supposed to be very, very different from anything that's gone before. (laughs) Maybe what it's said every season. (laughs) (laughs) Season seven. So different from the last. Well, that was true because it was terrible. But (laughs) (laughs) season nine, like, if they really are going to have this huge shift, maybe the shift is that now it's going to be told from the perspective of the zombies. (laughs) You know what, though? The Whisperers (laughs) kind of are zombies. Okay. They wear the zombies. Yeah. But, like... All the characters that are dead were the ones that we like. And so now we'll just <laughs> follow them as zombies. As zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be yeah. like, uh-oh, I, another piece of me rotted today. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, you know... Speaking of the whispers, which should be season nine, if they're if they're if they have any kind of sense, it should be season nine. That is like Carl's story. Really? Eugene has a pretty interesting role, and I keep talking about that because it really bothers me that they haven't they haven't stuck to his story because he is so not the person that we see in the show. And he still has the same quirks. He still has the same, like, weirdness and same, same like, uh, charming, you know, uh, um, awkwardness. But he's so much more um, forgiving and so much more redeemable and so much more um, respectful, respectable. And I don't know. It just it bothers me that they've done the things that they've done to him. And now it's bothering me that they, they're doing what they're doing to Carl. Speaking of which, do you think that Carl will survive? There's been speculation about Carl being immune and things like that. I I really don't think so. Same. Yeah. I Now, oh, sorry. No, I just think, like, I mean, I was somebody that actually didn't really have a problem with Glenn and the dumpster thing. The only problem I had was that they waited four episodes to show us. Yeah. But I would have a problem with Carl surviving yeah. um, because it would just feel like the last remaining rule of the show has been broken. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes any sense from People now are, on. We'll start flying. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, and that reminded me because it reminded me of absurdities that it should be pointed out that the trash people who we spent – 
I don't know, like a whole season trying to get on our side, finally come to the sanctuary. They get shot at a few times. They run away and we never hear from them again. (laughs) And then Rick is just miraculously picked up on time by Jerry and Carol, who just happened to be swinging by the heart of the sanctuary. Just happened to. And where did the, where did the trash people go? And what was the point of all that? (laughs) Nothing. There was no point. (laughs) Just like there's no point to this stupid show. (laughs) There's got to be something that they do with them next. Actually, it would be so funny to me if we never heard from them again. If if that was it, like they just, Jada says, doesn't look like picture, fires, shots start being fired, and no more. Like the trash people are just a memory. Right. Um, Okay, so one last thing. Um, All right, so did you did you read read the article I sent you right after uh, we watched the 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 finale about how uh, Chandler Riggs was fired? Yes, yeah, you did. Okay, so if anyone is listening, if if anyone is listening, um, (laughs) and they uh, they haven't heard about this news, this is kind of an important thing to understand. I think about the walking dead and why behind the scenes things are so sloppy. Evidently Chandler Riggs bought a house just blocks away or at least, you know, neighborhoods away from where they shoot the show. So he could live there and also simultaneously go to school and it could all be within the same vicinity. Now, Chandler Riggs, if he knew that he was getting fired, could have bought a house in L.A., could have bought a house in any other place where he's, you know, going to be pursuing his career or whatever. But he chose Atlanta because that's where they shoot The Walking Dead and all Marvel movies. Um, and uh, it turns out, at least it seems i'm not going to say this is this is how it happened but it it seems very fishy because if you have one of your main characters in the show make such a bold move to say i'm going to invest into this project to the point where i'm going to buy a house close by because i have no fear of being killed off it's what it, what that says to the to the people in charge is okay this person's getting comfortable and confident he's he's essentially you know, uh, making a power move. And just based off of what I know about his relationship, uh, uh, Scott Gimple's relationship with Kirkman, Kirkman seems to be very upset with Gimple and AMC, so much so that, he's, that he has a lawsuit. It seemed logical that Scott Gimple, out of pettiness, would have fired Carl for making a power move. Now, I'm not saying he did. And I'm not saying that that would be the rational thing to do, but it would seem in line with his behavior so far. (laughs) Um, At least the behavior that I've speculated on. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, now I'm, I'm really is, loving you do to realize hate this Gimple. is a step beyond that you're going here. Normally, Gimple is incompetent, but now he's evil. <laughs> he's he's is, essentially the real world version of Negan. <laughs> so he's going to be asking Chandler Riggs for whatever project he goes into next. He wants a portion of that project. <laughs> No, I think I think the interesting thing about all this is um Chandler Riggs' father in the in the Facebook post that he posted. Now, I had an opportunity to see the Facebook post before it was taken down. Uh-huh. Um and it was heated. Yeah. Now, obviously it's his father and obviously his father has very strong feelings about, you know, if his if his son was fired from any job, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be upset with that, you know, um, the outcome of that, but he also referenced, you know, my son bought a house right. in the city where we're shooting because he believed that he was going to be on the show for a long time, which he had a right to believe that yeah. because in the comics, that's how it goes. Right. And it's basically, the show's basically well, about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I remember distinctly that when Beth died, the actress was on Talking Dead said that she was not expecting to die and that she had recently bought a house in Georgia. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> was that under Gimple's? I can't remember. Yeah, that was, was during uh, Gimple's, Gimple's time. <laughs> Gimple but, is Negan. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. I think, I think that, that this... It's generally true that for any actor on the show, they don't have a right to expect that they're going to continue to to exist. Yeah, like it's probably, especially Beth. It's probably written in their contract that you may die at almost any time, and if you do, you are released from your contract. Um, yeah, and, and we can't be you can't like punish us for it or something like that. Yeah, it just seems like in a show like that, it would have to work that way. Whether yeah, totally. you know Gimple would would do something like that as a power move, I mean. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that myself, based on what I've seen of him. Um, mm-hmm. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, you know what? This might just be the cynic in me, but I have to wonder if even something like Shan, uh, Chandler's dad posting that on Facebook is a way of promoting the show. Like, like PR. PR, yeah. Because, like, those sorts of controversies, <laughs> like, everyone, everyone starts talking about it. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it it seems to me like it's a possibility. Because, obviously, sure. he knew that his son had died months ago on the show. Like, unless, I maybe. mean, maybe he didn't. Sometimes they don't even know till they shoot. Yeah. It seems like that would be tricky with parents of a minor. I think he's still a minor. Like, I don't know how that would fall into like the the laws of what minors are, you know, able to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I I still wonder. Like, yeah, that's crossed my mind. Yeah, I a, a part of me thinks that the dad just has the dad right to do that. Yeah, you know, like I think about my mom or my dad. My mom would have 100% done something like that, <laughs> regardless of PR. Yeah. And so probably would your mom, would have your, would, your mom would have as well. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it is conceivable that, you know, the PR uh, uh, juggernaut over there. Because they, yeah, they do, they definitely need the ratings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they need any help they could get. Yeah. But that's not good PR. No, no. That's like that's if true. I came across that, I'd be like, why would I get into this show? Right. So talking about where the walking dead goes from here without carl and you know how that affects things maybe they're gonna do a time jump on judith and she'll just do everything you know i okay so seriously i've thought about this yeah what irritates me about it this choice is because carl is legacy um you can't supplement carl as a character and what he's been through with Judith, you can't do it with the new Benjamin, you know, Benjamin's brother. You can't do it with any other new kid like Edith or Maggie's kid or anything because Carl, there's something special about Carl that none of them can have. He has pre walk pre apocalypse, um, story with the viewers, like a pre apocalypse relationship. He's, the the firstborn and only son to Rick Grimes, mm-hmm. who is our protagonist, our sole protagonist. He um he has a journey with Rick Grimes that has been closely connected and woven in with so a lot of character development where he's underneath the kind of the the teachings of Rick Grimes, so he's learning as he goes along. So when he let's say at the age of 30 Rick or Carl does something that you know is so resembling of of Rick Grimes we could say oh my god that like that is that's amazing that's beautiful that like he would have done Rick we can see Rick Grimes doing this thing mm-hmm. that's that's got so much power because you saw the beginning where Carl was kind of this weak little child to now this child is essentially a king of the apocalypse and he's making calls in the in the um the covering of Rick Grimes. You mm-hmm. know, like you can f- still feel the essence of Rick. You could still feel the spirit of Rick and all that. You won't get that with Judith. You won't get that with Enid. You won't get that with the new Benjamin. You won't get that with any of the new characters. There's just something special about the chan the chan- Chandler Riggs character, Carl. Right. Just no, some- I totally agree. Something- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just joking about Judith with a time jump right. because like she seemed to undergo one rather suddenly and then maybe yeah. the next one will be like 13 years just yeah well she undergoes time jumps without time jumps <laughs> exactly yes and yeah. and meanwhile maggie's baby remains in the first trimester <laughs> it really is funny when you think about how long it's been because we found out in the sixth season that that baby was coming yeah. Glenn dies at the start of the seventh season. We go through the whole seventh season. We're going to go through the whole eighth season without that baby being born. We've only been yeah, like... Or th- without that baby showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What show do you think you would like start watching and you'd be like, oh, so-and-so is pregnant. And then three years later, like, oh, they haven't had the baby yet? Is that another baby? They're, they're showing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. She's just now getting morning sickness. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I took all these notes, and obviously we're not going to like go through through the episode commentary style the way we have in the in the past. But there was just a few things I wanted to comment on. Um, go for it. Yeah. I really did like Carl's confrontation with Negan. Um, you know... Ooh, yeah, that was a good one. Carl says, you know, he's not home, as in Rick's not home. Uh, and Negan's threatening, and Carl makes the point, there's families in here. You know, there's kids in here. And Negan, reasonably so, says, well, there was families and kids at the sanctuary. You know, you didn't... You didn't care about your. You didn't care about that, um, and then he's saying that, you know, your dad didn't give me a choice. He gave everybody else. He gave my lieutenants a choice, but he didn't give me a choice. And uh, he starts talking about what he's going to do and everything. And Carl just says, "Kill me." And you can see this look on Negan's face, like this just does not compute for him because yeah. an expression of sacrificial love, like. Kill me, and he he makes a very you know, an expression of 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 Christ-like sacrifice where he says, "If there has to be a punishment, then kill me." You yeah. know, isn't it better? It, it, oh yeah, Negan says, "Do you want to die?" And mm-hmm. Carl's like, "No, I don't, but I will." And uh, if me dying can change things, it'd be worth it. So I, I just really like that moment. I loved like the confusion on Negan's face because we don't yeah. normally see that. The only mm-hmm. thing I didn't like about it is that some of the significance of that is lessened once you find out Carl really is going to die exactly. anyway. Um, it's undercut. Right, exactly. Yeah. That moment, I think, would have had so much more power uh, mm-hmm. in retrospect if uh, you know Carl really was just saying, hey, if it's going to make the difference, you kill me. And uh, Exactly. It, should, it, it, it makes Carl look a little more weak. Yeah, yeah. Not that he is weak and not that making that choice is weak, but if he wasn't bitten, just that moment, that moment was so powerful in the moment. And then when you find out he's bitten, like, okay, well, that makes sense. Right. (laughs) And I forgot to ask this, but when did you know that Carl had been bit? I actually, I thought when he was stumbling through Alexandria, I thought a walker popped up and bit him then. Okay. Because I was like, because I was like, oh my god, something's gonna happen to him. And then at one moment, I was like, wait, did he just get bitten? Because it looked like he was sweating and stuff like that. But I was like, no, that would come on too quickly. Then I thought, did he get bit before? And then I was like, oh shoot, that's why he said he wanted to die because at some point he was bitten. Yeah. So um, so it was like during that, you know, kerfuckle where. Or <laughs> didn't mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Put the explicit rating on this podcast. <laughs> um, during that little, like you know, the walking through the minefield of Alexandria. Yeah, um, I thought he was bitten then. So, or that's when I thought about him being bitten. That is a very reasonable you? thing to think, and I. I cannot remember when the moment was that I put it together that Carl had been bit, but it was mm. very late and it may have actually been the moment where he lifted his shirt. And so 
And (laughs) the reason I'm sure of that, the reason I know that is because there was one point where one of many, when Carl is just sort of stumbling around Uh uh, in Alexandria as everything's blowing up. And when that happened like the third time and I hadn't put it together that they're trying to tell us that he's, he's been bit and he's got a fever. I was like, Oh, good grief. Like, can we just move on here? Like there's stuff I want to see. Like, is this supposed to be like dramatic or something? Like it is dramatic that stuff's blowing up, but why is Carl limping around? Like some sort of, like, did he hurt his leg? Drunkard or something like that. Like he, he, he looks so weird. Like why, why is this happening? And then I thought, how dense am I? Like he's sitting there alone in one scene, just writing a letter, you know, like, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, offering himself to die. Like, the writing was on the wall. It was very clear. Sure. Um, but I still didn't pick up when he was stumbling around what was going on. I just thought it was I like... I think there's a reason, though. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> because we're not conditioned to think that Carl would die. Yeah, that's or true. Or get bitten. Yeah. And so in those moments, it, like, any other reasoning makes more sense than him getting bit. Yeah. Like, even bad writing. Like, why are we still on this right now? Right, <laughs> like, right. That makes more sense than him getting bit. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think it's, I'm realizing, it's so ironic to me that Carl's moment of receiving a mortal wound was the the episode, The King, The Widow, and Rick, which, when we watched it, you were like, this is the worst episode of The Walking Dead ever. You thought it was, like, the most boring episode ever. I, I thought it was decent, you know. I didn't yeah. love it, but I thought it was decent. But, like, something so momentous happened in that episode. But when we watched it, you were like, nothing happened in this episode. <laughs> You're right. That's hilarious. So ironic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, what else did I want to say here? Um, oh, okay. We have. Oh to shoot! Li- it's five forty-five for you. Yeah, I'll just say this, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Okay. Um, we have to acknowledge that Eugene finally did something right. I can't even remember Eugene in this episode. (laughs) All right. So let me explain because whenever Eugene talks, I feel like I have to write down the best stuff. And so like I took the time to do this, so I'm going to read it. So Eugene can't sleep and he's lying there. He's tossing and turning. He turns on the light. He drinks some, some of his alcohol. He, he turns off the light. He turns the light back on. He's like whimpering to himself. He is having his, his his uh his dark night of the soul here you know and mm-hmm. and he finally gets up in the middle of the night he goes to the room where gabriel is and the doctor he wakes up the doctor and then he tells gabriel like i'm going to acquiesce to your request the request basically to help him and the doctor get back to hilltop so that the doctor can deliver uh maggie and glenn's baby and i thought it was nice the way eugene said to deliver maggie and glenn's baby you know yeah. Um, so he says that the guard is no longer at the north gate 
and the doctor is like, you killed him? And he says that, no, the, the guard is OOC, which I, I think means out, out of, of commission. commission. Yeah. And he says his cough was compromised. He's currently riding a porcelain bus with laxative and melted sugar-free gum-induced diarrhea. And this is my favorite part. In fact, unless he was fleet of foot, he may very well be catastrophically crapping his khakis right now. <laughs> CCHK! <laughs> I love the fact that he makes up random acronyms right. for random sake. <laughs> unless he was fleet of foot. That's such a yeah. funny phrase to me. And um, then Gabriel is like, why? Because, of, the, of course, the last time he saw Eugene, that was when he, like, had his angry moment and just said, right. you know, I will not comply. And yeah. uh, Eugene just says, I plan on sleeping tonight. He cannot, he cannot sleep. Mm. And uh, Gabriel tries to get him to come. And he says that, no, he won't be doing that. He doesn't make it clear why, but he just says he won't be doing that. And then there's this great moment where he just drops the keys and he goes, Oops, I seem to have dropped the keys to a vehicle outside the aforementioned North Gate. And I don't remember any of this. No, no, this is this is big. This is this is a big moment. And then um then I liked this to follow up our conversation in the last podcast about about yeah. objective truth and morality. Uh Gabriel says, You're doing the right thing. And Eugene says, as previously debated, that assessment is relative. <laughs> and <laughs> he's such a dick yeah and then gabriel just simply says no it isn't and eugene doesn't yeah. say anything um yeah. and of course it isn't if he can't sleep and that's why he's right. doing it you know the only yeah. thing that's making him do it is his conscience and yeah so i just thought that was a nice um way of like bringing most of what we talked about in the last episode to some sort of sure. resolution and i i yeah. i am interested to see what's going to happen with, with eugene from here yep um and I'm, I'm glad he finally did something right yeah i i wish i could remember all of that but i i honestly can't at all yeah the only kind of the only kind of visuals i could get are the visuals from the episode right before right yeah Oh well. Um, there was also a moment that I thought was kind of interesting, where you know Dwight was leading a convoy, and uh, Daryl and Tara and oh my god, Michonne... <laughs> okay, they were. Let me just finish. They were like sitting on the side of the road. I don't understand how they knew where to be, but they had set up a roadblock. And when Dwight saw it, he knew it was from, from them. So he just, like, charged right into it. And uh, and then knowing that they would be there, they, like, took almost everybody out. Uh, except for that one woman with the neck tattoo who confronted Dwight. And she was like, oh, it was you. She shot him in the shoulder, which was very nice of her. Which she should have killed him. Right. Anything right. makes sense. Right, exactly. This was – I should have put this in the beginning. If I had remembered, I would have put this in the beginning. Okay. And my feelings about this episode. When this happened – man. 
like you do some things in movies and TV shows that that defies logic, sure. But having your people, like your main protagonists, be in the line of fire where nothing is covering them at all. They're just open and they're not getting shot yet. Machine guns are shooting them and they're picking people off. And the people that they're picking off are behind cars. You're you're pushing it. <laughs> so here's the thing. All four of them were standing in the tree line. Yeah. The saviors were, were in cars and on the opposite side of cars. And they had assault weapons. The four of our people being in the tree line were not covered by trees. They weren't behind trees. They were just behind brush. And they were literally open. Like their chests, their legs, everything. You could see all of it. And no one's hitting them at all. No one shot any of the Alexandrians. But the Alexandrians were killing the saviors. How does that make sense? And then when Dwight gets hit, he falls down. The lady comes up to him, shoots him in the shoulder. Then she runs away. Not only could she have killed him then. She should have killed him, or he could have killed her. Yeah, yeah. During her like her moment of like you know uh, uh, confusion, but I'm still stuck on this thing that none of the four of them died. None of the four of them even got a flesh wound. That is just completely absurd. Well, I I think you're right. I actually didn't even think of that myself, but but. An absurdity that I'm struggling with is that they had all this time building up to this moment where Dwight – or sorry, Daryl drives this car into the side of, of the sanctuary. That this is supposed to be a game-changing moment. But then in this episode, it felt like they were trying to act like it didn't matter. Like, yeah, um, which is so dumb. Rosita was like – you know, they didn't get, get out because of what you did, Daryl. And even if, if they did, you know, people make mistakes, whatever. And and then uh, Daryl asked Dwight, did they get out because of what I did? Reasonable question. But then Dwight shakes his head and goes, Eugene. And you remember that? I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I guess Eugene made a bunch of bullets, so they were able to kill all the zombies. And that just brings us back to our whole problem of... Why hasn't Eugene been making bullets the whole time when that's what he was brought to do in the first place? Right. And right. why and, and why would we minimize what Daryl just did? Like this is this in order for the story to matter, like what Daryl did should have been significant. It should have screwed everything up, and we shouldn't be blaming it on something else at this point. And why would we? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let Daryl carry. Mercy that. prevaileth over my wrath. <laughs> <laughs> we want things that happen to actually matter. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I know it, it. Seriously, seriously. I can't have these conversations and not feel like this show is just stupid. I, I can't like, I can't ignore that. They've just been making all of the wrong decisions. Yeah. All right. Well, I do have to go. I'm sure we could talk about more things, but I think we've covered the the most significant mm -hmm. ones. We're yeah. gonna have a, a handful to talk about this week. Yeah, based off tonight. Yeah, I'll give my numerical rating, which I suspect you will think is too high. But <laughs> after watching it again, and 
I did have to kind of turn off my brain in some parts to it to appreciate it, but I'm going to give it a six. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I felt like the things that bothered me the most are things we've talked about. And there were, and we didn't get a lot of time to, to focus on them, but there were some good uh, character moments and some good action moments. Like there's a moment in the episode where Michonne is just like storming around that's through, right. through Alexandria, and then all of a sudden the savior starts to like make fun of her, and he j- she just goes off on him, and uh, mm-hmm. like that was cool. Even though the fight between Negan and Rick was ultimately pointless, uh, it itself was like you know I was into it when it was happening. Then there's other stuff too, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm giving it a six. Maybe that's too generous, but yeah, that's my rating. For yeah. for a, for a finale episode, an episode where they're really supposed to bring it, that for me is is quite low. Mm. Um. Now, because I haven't seen it in a while, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't give a fair rating. Yeah. But what I can recall about the episode, there are way too many bad things for me to go north of five. Yeah, okay. That being said, there were some great beats, like you had mentioned, but those great beats didn't mean enough to me to bring it over the edge. I think my favorite part of the episode, the thing that stuck out to me the most, maybe your Eugene moment, or yeah, I think you feel the same way about this moment as well, was the conversation between Chandler and Jeffrey Dean Moore, or um, Carl and, uh, and Negan. Yeah. That moment had such weight to it, and it was such a beautiful moment. I love seeing Negan in this light because I think there's moments or shades of redeemable qualities to him. Mm-hmm. I think they could do it better. They haven't, so I'm going to take what I could get. So based off of what I can remember about the episode, I'm going to give it a three. Still higher than the King, the Widow, and Rick. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, really, really bad. I didn't – yeah. I – again, maybe the only thing I enjoyed about this episode was that moment between Negan and Carl. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame because the the episode did have moments where I felt like real dread – um, you know, when Negan first showed up at the gate and he was talking on the, on the megaphone and, um, you know, everyone Actually didn't feel dread then. See, I did. I definitely Cause did. Cause he's been doing it so much. Yeah. And nothing happens when he does. So I'm like, oh, whatever. He's back. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the dread did pay off to some extent. Alexandria is no more, you know, yeah. that's, that is a game changing thing. And I welcome it. You but know? that seems so small. <laughs> like, when it happened, I was like, oh, Carl, why are you limping? And then, you know, everything's, like, burning around him. I'm not even thinking of Alexandria. Yeah. Because just nothing mattered. Well, I guess they could just go to the hilltop because it's, like, right down the street. <laughs> or states away. Who knows? Well, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, other funny moment. When Maggie comes back to the hilltop after the encounter with Simon 
and mm-hmm. Gregory is in the pen there, and he's like, "Oh, let me out of there." He's he's asking to be let out, you know. And yeah. Maggie is just like, "Shut up!" And then she's just like, <laughs> "I want that guy," you know, because she wants somebody to kill. And Gregory is like, "Why does he get to leave?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Gregory, there's something about him that makes me want him to stay around <laughs> just for those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Like, him being demoted the way that he was was almost better than him dying. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, no. Because now we get to keep him and laugh. He's an element of the show that I think is working right now. Uh, yeah, same. Because he's just such a perfect coward character yeah Um, it's like they they framed him after scott kimple or something i don't know just spitballing here (laughs) (laughs) all right well i uh as disappointing as things have been i am still rooting for the show i don't want to like push it over i really do hope that they can turn things around and uh but I, I think one of the things that makes me sad is my hopes for things really getting turned around aren't until season nine at this point. Cause I know this back half is still going to be going to be gimple. I mean, I am genuinely curious. I'm, I'm wondering like with Carl dying tonight, what that's going to be like. Um, I probably won't watch it until Tuesday, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. So that's all I got. All right. Same. All right. Until next time. Signing off. Over and out.